Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You're listening to a special Halloween show hosted by WHIO Radio's Todd Holtz here on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. The following adaptation is inspired by The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, written by Washington Irving in 1820. Nestled away in the pine-covered mountains of New York State exists a seemingly quaint and scenic valley known as Sleepy Hollow. And it is the home of a spooky legend that has haunted residents in the nearby village of Terrytown for centuries. It is said every night a man who died in the American Revolutionary War after having his head shot off rises from his eternal tomb in a local cemetery, jumps on a horse, and gallops through the valley looking for his lost head. Terrytown was settled by Dutch immigrants, and village children attended a small school, a one-room situation constructed of logs, where a teacher by the name of Ichabod Crane taught lessons and directed the local church choir. Ichabod was superstitious and believed in all kinds of ghosts and goblins. He was tall, but exceedingly lank, with narrow shoulders, long arms, hands that dangled a mile out of his sleeves, feet that might have served for shovels, and his whole frame most loosely hung together. His head was small and a flat top, with huge ears, large green glassy eyes, and a long snipe nose. You might say he most resembled a tall bird, which made his surname Crane most suitable. The wages for a teacher working in a small town in 1790 were a mere pittance. To earn enough money to feed his unusually large appetite, Ichabod offered private singing lessons. One of the ladies from the village he taught caught his fancy. Her name was Katrina Van Tassel, and she came from a wealthy Dutch farming family. She was a blooming lass of 18, plump as a partridge, and rosy-cheeked as a peach from her father's farm. She presented herself in a mixture of old and new fashions, wearing ornaments of pure yellow gold and a petticoat suitably hemmed high enough to exhibit the prettiest feet and ankles in the country round. Perhaps the only thing more alluring to Ichabod than Katrina's outwardly beauty was the riches of her family's farm. During his visits to her home for singing lessons, he was mesmerized by the expanse of the enterprise. The farm sat on the banks of the Hudson River, which helped nurture the acres of apple trees, rolling wheat fields, and fat and succulent farm animals and fowl which roamed freely throughout. Inside the Van Tassel home was even more captivating. It was a spacious farmhouse with a high ridge but lowly sloping roof built in the style handed down from the first Dutch settlers. Household items and tools of every shape and size adorned the walls. Claw-footed chairs and dark mahogany tables shone like mirrors. The solution to Ichabod's financial woes was right in front of it. The moment he laid eyes on the family's fortune, he set his mind on gaining the affections of the young Katrina. Ichabod saw himself becoming the master of that rich land 
and the heir to Katrina's heart. But Ichabod wasn't the only suitor in the village who had an eye on Katrina and her family riches. Brom Van Brunt was a burly, roaring, roistering blade who was admired by all the young ladies in the village. He was a fine horseman, possessed a Herculean frame, short, curly black hair, and gave off an air of fun mixed with a touch of jovial arrogance. Always ready for a good fight or frolic, he could be mischievous, especially with his three friends, who looked up to him as the ideal. Often, late at night, the boys would gallop through town in the countryside, shouting loudly as they passed by homes, awakening neighbors. The old ladies would exclaim, There goes Brom Bones and his gang! They were more amused than annoyed. This high-strung hero was Ichabod's most formidable foe to winning Katrina's impressionable heart. For quite some time, Brom pursued the young woman's affections with gentle flirtations and endearments. Many observed the chase from afar and could tell that Katrina didn't necessarily discourage his hopes. And these public interactions were also meant as a not-so-subtle signal to romantic rivals to reconsider their ploy. Undeterred by Brahm's intentions, Ichabod came up with a plan he felt sure would best his rival. The one thing he did know is he could not compete with Brahm out in the open. So silently and secretly, Ichabod became a frequent visitor to Katrina's home under the guise of extra singing lessons. Now, I profess not to know how women's hearts are won. To me, they've always been matters of riddle and admiration. Some may have but one vulnerable point or door of access, while others have a thousand avenues and may be captured in a thousand different ways. It is a great triumph of skill to gain the former, but a still greater proof of generalship to maintain possession of the latter. For man must battle his fortress at every door and window. He who wins a thousand common hearts is therefore entitled to some renown. But he who keeps undisputed sway over the heart of one is indeed a hero. Time rolled by in Sleepy Hollow. Ichabod stayed the course and his plan seemed to be having the desired effect on Katrina. Town folks began to see him as the likely suitor to wear the winner's crown and Brahm's visits to the farm were becoming more rare. But the fight was only beginning and something sinister was beginning to simmer in Sleepy Hollow. While Brahm surely would have preferred to settle the matter of Katrina's affection with a single and concise combative collision, Ichabod knew he would not fare well if the feud came to blows, and he avoided Brahm at all costs. This left his adversary no alternative but to call on his friends and their mischievous demeanor to play off boorish practical jokes against him. Brahm and his compatriots began their campaign against Ichabod by clogging the chimney of a singing school, causing it to become filled with smoke. They broke into the schoolhouse and turned everything topsy-turvy. The constant harassment went on for some time, but Ichabod never became discouraged. One day in autumn, while at the schoolhouse, a man came knocking on the door with a personal invitation for Ichabod to attend a merrymaking or quilting frolic that evening at the Von Tassel home. After school dismissed, Ichabod spent hours getting ready. He dressed in his best suit of black and arranged his hair just right. He borrowed an old broken down plow horse from a farmer to make the trip, a steed named Gunpowder. The horse may have been old, but there was more of the lurking devil in him than any young filly in the country. As Ichabod slowly jogged Gunpowder along the path to the Van Tassels, 
He took in the autumn air and sights along the way. Baskets and barrels of apples, pumpkins, fields of buckwheat, a beehive, all of which he imagined being used to make delicious pies and cakes by the delicate little dimpled hands of Katrina. When Ichabod arrived at the gathering, he found the house filled with local farmers and their wives. The village daughters, buxom lasses to be sure, were dressed in their best homespun petticoats and white frocks. The village sons were washed and wearing short square skirted coats with rows of stupendous brass buttons. The farmhouse tables were full of delectable savories known only to experienced Dutch housewives. Music filled the hall, and soon there was dancing. Ichabod prided himself not only a steady vocalist, but also a well-equipped dancer. And he and Katrina shared many dances that evening. Also in attendance, his romantic rival, Brom Van Brunt. Standing off in a corner alone, sorely smitten with love and jealousy, watched and plotted. As the candles burned lower and the dancing and music subsided, the young folks gathered around and began swapping scary stories about Sleepy Hollow. Many were told that night, including the story of the shrieking woman dressed in white at Raven Rock. The morning cries and wailings near the great tree where Major Andre was taken. But the one story which always left some shaking was that of the Headless Horseman. Rumors suggested the ghostly rider had been heard several times of late, patrolling the countryside looking for his head, and who, it was said, tethered his horse nightly among the graves in the churchyard. The night finally concluded, and Ichabod lingered around as people left the party. It was the custom of the time for country lovers at the end of such occasions to steal a private moment before going their separate ways. He waited for Katrina. Now, I can't attest to what was said during their interlude, as I do not know, but something I fear must have gone wrong because poor Ichabod was suddenly in a terrible state. As he left Katrina and headed for the stable to retrieve his steed and head back to the schoolhouse, he wondered if she was calling off their romance or if her interest in him was merely a ploy to make Brom jealous so he would marry her. It was the very witching time of night that Ichabod, heavy-hearted and crestfallen, pursued his travels homeward along the sides of the lofty hills which rise above Terrytown, in which he had traversed so cheerfully in the afternoon. The hour was as dismal as himself. In the dead hush of midnight, he could hear the Hudson River flowing in the distance. He could even hear the barking of a watchdog on the other side of the river. The night was silent, except for a few crickets and bullfrogs here and there. All the ghost stories from the earlier gathering now came crowding upon his recollection. The night grew darker and darker. The stars seemed to sink deeper in the sky, and driving clouds occasionally hid them from his sight. He was, moreover, approaching the very place where many of the scenes of the ghost stories had been laid. To occupy his mind, he began whistling, but felt certain his whistle had been answered by someone in the dark. Then as he approached the giant tree where Major Andre had been killed, he thought he saw something white hanging in the midst of the tree. But looking closer, he could see it was a scar left by a lightning strike. As he continued, he became more spooked. He heard a strange noise and began to shake in fear. He kicked gunpowder to run faster, but the old plow horse didn't have it in him to keep the desired pace. Then, the horse stopped in its tracks, nearly throwing his rider forward off the saddle. 
As Ichabod composed himself, he peered into a section of woods, and there, on the side of the Hudson, he beheld something huge, misshapen and towering. It stirred not, but seemed gathered up in the gloom like some gigantic monster ready to spring upon the traveler. With hair standing on end, Ichabod yelled into the night, Who are you? No reply was offered. Agitated, he repeated his demand, still no answer. Ichabod quickened his steed in hopes of leaving the stranger behind, but the gallop was matched stride for stride. His heart began to sink within him. He then pulled up and fell into a walk, thinking he would lag behind. The other did the same. There was something mysterious and appalling about this unknown companion. As Ichabod and Gunpowder traversed raised ground, the outline of the shadowy menace came into focus against the moonlight sky. He was gigantic in height and muffled in a cloak. Ichabod was horror-struck to discover the rider was headless. But his horror was still more increased on observing that the head, which should have rested on his shoulders, was being carried on the pommel of his saddle. His terror rose to desperation. He rained a shower of kicks and blows upon gunpowder, hoping by sudden movements to give his companion the slip. But the specter followed Ichabod's lead, mirroring his frantic moves. Away, then they dashed through thick and thin, stones flying and sparks flashing at every bound. Ichabod's flimsy garments fluttered in the air as he stretched his lanky body over the horse's head in the eagerness of his flight. As they reached the road, which turns off to Sleepy Hollow, Gunpowder, who seemed possessed with a demon, instead made the opposite turn and plunged headlong downhill to the left. As horse and rider raced out of control, Ichabod's saddle gave way and slid right out from under him. They approached a wooden bridge, and Ichabod thought if he could get there first, he'd escape that galloping goblin and he'd be safe. As they thundered over the bridge, he looked back to see if the headless man had given up the chase. And at that moment, he saw the creature pick up his head and hurl it through the air. The horrible missile struck Ichabod's head and sent him tumbling to the ground. In the moment that followed, the goblin rider passed by Ichabod's body like a whirlwind. The next morning, Gunpowder was found grazing outside his master's gate with the bridle under his feet. Ichabod never showed up for breakfast, and the farmer felt an uneasiness about the missing teacher's fate. In a search that followed, a fury of horse hooves denning the ground was found on the path leading to the church. The tracks led, evidently at furious speed, to the bridge, beyond which the crumpled hat of Ichabod was found, and close beside it, a shattered pumpkin. Ichabod's body was never found, and the mysterious events of that night caused great speculation at the church the following Sunday. People gathered at the bridge where Ichabod seemed to meet an unfortunate demise. Or had he? Later on, one old farmer who was down from New York claimed to have seen Ichabod alive, and that he had left the village partly in fear of the goblin and partly after being suddenly dismissed by the heiress. No one knew for sure, but after his vanishing, Brahm and Katrina were married. And some folks noticed, whenever the story of Ichabod was related, Brahm always burst into hearty laughter at the mere mention of the pumpkin, which led some in Sleepy Hollow to suspect he knew more than he was letting on. 
You're listening to a special Halloween show hosted by WHIO Radio's Todd Holst here on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.